Welcome to episode 42 of the Rapid Change Matters podcast, a conversation with the director of the Omni Hypnosis Training Centre, Hans Rudy Wipf. My name's Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm chatting with top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I've got big news. Rapid Change Works is now running live training events, and you can check out the latest events coming up by visiting rapidchange.works, where you can also download a free, quick-to-read PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, along with all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. Today, I get to chat with Hans-Rudy Wipf, author of the book Hypnosis, Health and Healing in a Natural Way. He's also the publisher of the international hypnosis magazine Hypnomag, as well as co-organizer of the annual hypnosis convention in Zurich. Additionally, he worked successfully with top athletes and has had the great honor of succeeding hypnosis legend Jerry Kine in driving omni-hypnosis training forwards. Welcome to this Rapid Change Conversation, Hans Rudy. Hey, Howard. Nice being here. It's absolutely great to have you and um, really hoping that we can jump straight in. And if you could tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do, and really how you got started in all of this. Well, how did I get started with hypnosis is um, it's even written in my book. It was around eight. I was about eight years old and I was uh, uh, bedwetting. And my mom, in her desperation, um, dragged me to a hypnotist, um, a rather elderly man. And um, so I was, I think, I guess I was hypnotized. But the guy, um, made, he got really big eyes staring at me. And I was like, oh, crap, what's going on, you know? Um, I don't really think the hypnosis session worked back then. Uh, but I said, well, in order for me to never have to go back to this elderly man, I just stopped peeing in my pants at night. So it did work, but um, that was my very first exposure to, to, to hypnosis. But the, first, the next time I really was impressed was when I um, was in the U.S. in college and university in, in Atlanta, at Emory University. They had a show, a state show, and I really liked what was going on. I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was fun. Um, and then I started buying books on it and uh, started just messing around with it. And um, I learned those really old methods, you know, staring in a candle and he just keep talking and talking. It was rather frustrating. But um, when I hypnotized the first person um, ever successfully after hundreds of unsuccessful attempts, it just blew my mind. It, I, I mean, it scared me because the guy was a somnambulistic person and he just dropped right down. And I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? And... Um, so I bought even more books, and they were all still the old books. And afterwards, um, internet came, 
and I got to know Jerry Kine around 1997 or 1998. And uh, that's when I started watching his videos. But I always had a, I would say, an honest job. Um, I was uh, working in the automotive industry for many, many years. I was a purchasing manager and director and traveled uh, the world. I was working for uh, Mercedes-Benz, uh, not only in Germany, but they sent me for many years to Brazil, to the U.S., to Turkey, and many other places. So, um, yeah, I've, and, and hypnosis was always somehow a part of me, um, but only the old methods. And uh, in 2006, I took the official Omni training in Deland, Florida, with Gerald Kine, and uh, I was just amazed what he was showing there up front in class because it just killed all the old uh, ideas I had about hypnosis. And I'm so, so lucky that I got him as my first real teacher. And uh, that that opened my eyes. And a year later, I became an instructor. And in 2008, I had my first uh, hypnosis trainings here in Switzerland. So that resumes it pretty much um, how I got to hypnosis. And um, ever since 2010, I don't do anything else but um, teach hypnosis and do hypnotherapy um, since then I'm pro. So given that, I mean, you've seen uh, clearly um, so many people change and change quickly and you've been exposed to that. Why is it that the world at large still kind of has this, uh, a lot of people still have this belief that, you know, oh, change, it takes a long time, it's difficult, you've got to relive trauma, you've got to go back to the... What's that all uh, about when change can be so quick and easy? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> it's income. The, the longer you climb, the, the more money you earn, um, or the less you have to worry about finding new clients. And um, so it's, for many therapists, it's a threat to be very quick in, in helping your clients. Because then what do you do if, if you've helped your client? You know, they say only um, only a, a long-term client is a good client. And I'm like, but that's not what they pay you for. They pay me to help them. And if I know methods and techniques that help them in one or two or three sessions, then I would be more morally, ethically, um, questionable if I did not apply these methods. And if I hear from people, if I were in the long-term therapy, and I hear from people telling me, you know, that you could solve this problem in one single session, and I would not go after it and find out uh, if this is true, um, then I'm, again, fear-driven of uh, losing my income. But times will change. Uh, long-term therapy has proven very ineffective. Actually, it has been proven scientifically to be um, very often worse than people who get no therapy. Um, there's been research on people who have gone through um, bigger disasters like airplane crashes, train crashes, natural disasters. And those people who received psychological help 10 years after the event were on average off worse than those people who did not receive any treatment. That says it all. Um, either you help them fast or don't help them at all. I, I think I came across some research similar. Uh, and am I right in saying that 
if you ask people who are in long-term therapy um, how, what they felt about the therapy, they will often say things like, I, oh, I, I really enjoyed it or I felt like it was worthwhile. But actually, uh, when you look at other metrics, things are much worse for them. Oh, um, well, you know, these people just don't know any better themselves. That they think that this is um, the, the, the way things are. And, of course, if you've been with a therapist for half a year, a year, three years, four years, five years, six years sometimes, you also build a bond with this person, with this therapist. And then if, you, if you're asked about this, you may not want to come out with the whole truth. I mean, in the end. It's just useless. Ask these people in the beginning, do you want to have it in one or two sessions or one or two years? I mean, the answer will be very clear. I think what I'm pointing at here is it's interesting that sometimes how just because someone feels like they were understood by someone who's in a caring position doesn't necessarily mean it was a good session. Well, understanding, I mean, you know, understanding a report I always say report my ass, um, understanding my ass. I don't need to understand them. I don't need to become their friends. They don't pay me to become their friends. They pay me to help them. And the thing is, the faster I back out of my office, the more successful I've been working. And I want to be measured by how fast I've been helped or I've helped somebody instead of how much money I made on. Because the more successful I am in changing people quickly, the more people I will attract um, wanting to see me. I mean, look, I, I think we took when, when we first spoke and we first connected about uh, talking about you doing the podcast, uh, I told you I bumped into uh, someone who had a more traditional approach. And when I mentioned that I had a rapid change podcast, they said to me, oh, well, I do rapid change. I've got, just got my six year process down to two years. Well, congratulations to them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you said the, during the rapid fire round, you said uh, in terms of uh, one of the beliefs that you have very strongly is that you, you know, any any issue takes you can deal with in just a single session. Yeah, um, I'm so glad that I've had. Gerald Kine as my instructor, but not only instructor, but also mentor and friend. And when I took that training, um, I had no other choice but trust what he taught because he was the first person um, to, that I met who really did this all thing, all this professionally. And I trusted him. And he said, listen, you will find enough people out there telling you that it's impossible what, what we're talking about. Ignore them. Just ignore them. Do your regression to cause and fix them and prove daily that what you are saying is the right, is, is, is correct. And so I went out um, and my, to be honest, my, my intention was not to become a hypnotherapist, actually. Um, my true intention going to that class was to become, and I told that in class, to become a responsible stage hypnotist. I was also fascinated with doing stage work. and But something happened in that class. And I transformed from 
stage to therapy during that one week training that I took with Jerry. And I went home to Switzerland and my very first session was with a friend from, uh, from my sports club and he had a seafood allergy. Um, and he asked me, well, would hypnosis work? And I said, sure. I had never done therapy before. I just had done the training. So I got him into a session. I did, we did the regression to cause. And the problem was, um, so, well, the ISC was around when he was a little boy. I don't remember the age. And we solved, we neutralized the eye. We identified it and neutralized it. And ever since, he has never had a seafood allergy anymore. And then I knew that what Jerry had told me or taught me was correct. What Was I able to solve every single problem that was uh, thrown on my plate in one session? No, of course not. There's issues that you need more time and, you, need, you know, it's more serious than an allergy or, or, or a, a little fear or anxiety. If, if I work with people who have cancer or MS or other stuff, you don't want to do it just one session. You want to make sure you really, really, really kill all the negative energy that is stored somehow in their subconscious mind. So I, I just see it every day. Everything is possible in a single session. And should it not work in a single session? Well, then do, you do a second. If that was not enough, you do a third. But I don't sell season tickets um, depending on how complicated I, th I think the problem sounds or how long they have already been doing therapy with other hypnotherapists or psychology or whatever. So I don't judge it on it. I have this idea, this belief inside of me that everything is possible in a single session. And, and, you know, ever since really being convinced of that, more often it happens. So your own attitude has a lot to do with how successful in the end you are. So I'm, I'm interested in over the years you've been doing this and you've obviously worked with just, just hundreds and hundreds of people uh, with regression to cause. Would you say you've seen similarities or patterns between the typical causes that go on to lead to various issues? I'm a little bit bad in, 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 in remembering all these individual cases. Uh, and I never really started looking out for patterns. But we all know that fear, guilt, and hatred are probably some of the most common um, emotions that are the base of what causes people to develop uh, symptoms later on. Mm -hmm. um, even smoking, where many people always say, you know, it has to do with peer pressure. Oh, man, I've seen, I've seen too many different ISEs at too many different uh, stages in life of people to just sum it up. Yes, of course, there's sometimes the adventure the, to do something prohibited, to feel adult. But, you know, I've gone straight into uh, sexual abuse, rape, um, uh, physical abuse, uh, mental abuse, it, its or just, you know, trying to fulfill something that your dad or your mother wanted. There's so many reasons for it, and I don't, because it doesn't help um, if, if, if you know that 30% are this or that, because every person is individual, and I don't care um, what the statistics say, because chances are the next person will have a different ISC anyway.
So it's not something that you, you know, if you work with X number of people with such and such a condition that when someone comes in, the next one, you kind of have an inkling it's more likely to be this kind of thing. It really could be anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, whenever you think with the regression to cause stuff that now I've got it, they will throw you a curveball and it <laughs> goes another 180 degrees. Um, so never assume you know why a person has a problem or what the ISC is or SSE um, because you're more likely to be wrong than right. So th- there's obviously, you know, and I've talked to people on the, the podcast before on a number of occasions about this idea of reliving past trauma and this idea that, you know, someone typically might go and see a counsellor in some way uh, and they have to relive some traumatic experience and come to terms with what happened. And actually, the research shows that's kind of embedding it in. Um, if someone said to you, well, hang on a second, regression to cause, isn't that inviting them to go back and relive some kind of trauma? How would you, how would you respond to that? Well, I would say, yes, of course it is. But... We do it in hypnosis, and we do we don't do it on a conscious level. If you, on a conscious level, with your analytical uh, mind, keep talking about problems that you've gone through in the past, where you think you know is the, the ISC, because most people who come see us, they have no clue what caused their problem in first place. They think they know. Maybe even a, a therapist told them why they think they've gotten uh, a problem. You know, okay, you're depressed because your wife or your husband left you. I mean, that's a whole bunch of crock, sorry. Um, how do they know? That's like staring at a, a crystal ball and guessing. The only place that matters is what is the truth in our subconscious mind. And how do we ever find out what is the true cause without regressing back to what the subconscious mind identifies as SSEs, subsequent sensitizing events, and finally the ISE, the initial sensitizing event. And those people who are afraid of um, having their clients re-experience a traumatic event, I always suggest, well, go back and get proper training because you're fear-driven. These people are already traumatized, otherwise they wouldn't be with you anyway. And you just need to find out what caused that problem. Of course, I don't let somebody go through the entire rape, for example. Mm-hmm. No, I, all we need to know, we do the regression to cause, is who's involved, no, what's happening, and who's involved. And if, I, if they're having abreactions, and abreactions are good things, because you save a lot of time, because you're right in the middle of what, you know, what's, what's bothering them. Um, Then once you know that, once you have found it out, you have uncovered the true negative energy that has been bothering these people for sometimes decades. And if you don't do that, this negative energy just remains hidden in the subconscious mind and you will never really get a full, clean recovery. So once you identify the ISC or maybe even some SSEs. I've had people who have been raped five, six, seven, ten times. So every time they have, they may have an ab reaction. Yeah. But now, as we have that, now we can channel this negative energy and we can work with it and neutralize it 
and build on it, on make it positive. Give give the person back um, movement in their life uh, and all those other things. We just neutralize it and we make them whole, whole again. And without identifying the IFC or SSEs, you just are not doing your job right. Sorry, that's my personal opinion. And fear has always been a very bad companion in therapy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to properly deal with an ab reaction, I suggest you go back and get better trained. Because if you don't know that you did, if your trainer didn't improve, didn't include that in your training, well, then you didn't get your money's worth. It's fascinating that you talk so openly about you know ab reactions and are not a bad thing. It's um, I remember a while ago doing a, a session and we were looking at uh, doing uh, working with a re- regression to cause, and uh, there was a spontaneous ab reaction that emerged and we worked through it. We neutralized, we dealt with it, and at the end she said to me, she says, Do "You know what?" She said, I, "I always thought that that thing that popped up in my head when we did that had always been a problem." Um, and I always knew I kind of need to release that. I said, well, how, how long have you known that for? She said, well, I saw a hypnotherapist about 10 years ago, she said. And the same thing popped up. I started crying and they said, um, they just woke me up and said, I don't know what to do with you here. You have to go see someone else. Well, um, you see, that's um, not properly trained. And, you know, I just, I, I'm reading currently a few posts on a forum on Facebook, which make me sad because some of these people, of course, they're not dumb. They're intelligent people and they're also successful people. Um, but they have, they hold beliefs about regression, which, well, they're medieval, medieval belief systems. And they're afraid of, of, of uh, going back to traumas. And, you know, if they didn't die the first time around, they won't, they most certainly will not die in the regression to call session with you. Um, and the people are actually happy and glad that they finally found out what was the true cause of their problem and that they have been able to neutralize um, this negative emotion inside of them. And we have given them back power over their life, over their decisions, over their habits, over their feelings and emotions. So um, it's, 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 it's sad to see that some rather well-known hypnotists have not understood the concept of regression to cause. I mean, we've talked uh, and you've talked about, you know, doing things consciously. So would you, uh, because there's a lot of debate, as you know, within the the hypnosis industry, the hypnosis world, people will debate furiously whether there is such a thing as an unconscious or a subconscious or an out-of-consciousness. And what's your take on all of this? Well, I can only give it back to you as I've learned. Uh, We differentiate mainly between conscious mind, subconscious mind, and the unconscious mind. The conscious mind is where 5 to 10% of our daily things are going on. Uh, You have actually very little influence um, with it on your life. Um, It's very logical. It's short-term memory. It's willpower, stuff like that. And then you have the subconscious mind, which is responsible for 90 95% of who you are, what you are, and how you are. That's where habits, long-term memory, emotions um, are your self-protective part. And that really defines who you are. 
And that's a software inside of us. And all this happens without effort. Our conscious mind is all about effort, strength, energy. Whereas we do everything on a conscious level needs energy to do it. In our subconscious mind, it doesn't take any energy to do something or not to do something. And then we have very deep down inside, we have the unconscious mind, which, um, uh, which contains things like the uh, immune system, um, your vegetative nervous system, uh, you know, blood pressure, heartbeat, um, all that, all that stuff. And, um, we cannot influence it directly. We can only influence it indirectly via the subconscious mind. And depending on the belief system, it may, there may even be a super conscious mind, but where that is located, I have no idea. But even what I'm saying now is just a theory. Um, there isn't, we don't really know if uh, our brains are really divided up into these um, divisions. And um, in the end, it doesn't matter. It's just one easy way of explaining our clients who come see us for help um, or our students how the mind works. But it is just one theory from probably many, but it sounds very logical. So talking about uh, a way of explaining it to clients, uh, how much information would you give to someone when they come and see you about, uh, you know, the, the theories as to how things are working and why it is that they've developed issues and so on? Well, I would say the better informed the client, the better a client. The better for the client as well. Because mm -hmm. uh, you never know what kind of fears, misconceptions they uh, bring with them. And if you just ask them, well, do you have any questions? And they say no, and then you just start working. Um, you're doing the client a big disfavor. Um, you need to have a proper pre-talk. The pre-talk um, where you explain a person what is hypnosis and what it's not is probably 80% of the success you will have in the actual session. Because if you just ask them, do you have any questions, and they say no, um, yeah, because they know that you can get stuck in hypnosis. They know that you it's like a truth serum, and you will reveal deeply hidden secrets. They know that it's you're not sleeping. Oh, yeah, that's exactly. That's what they think. <laughs> and if you do not, if you do not inform and educate your client, um, these fears and misconceptions will be... Uh, reducing your chances of success. Mm. So the pre-talk, extremely important. And it's also a little bit of time where they get a feeling for you if you're competent or not. Uh, and when do you get into talking to them about managing their expectations over uh, the likely speed of treatment and the likely success of treatment? Is that all done in, in the pre-talk as well? Um, well, yes. Uh, in the intake interview, mm -hmm. where they fill out, where I, where I fill the format with them, uh, and the pre-talk, I always use waking hypnosis techniques to prepare them um, and to stimulate their imagination and um, to, to make them think about how they feel once they walk out of the door, um, how it feels to experience change, and how, how it feels once their problem is solved and how other people will realize that their problem is solved. 
and also how easy it is to go into hypnosis. You know, I will snap my fingers. That's how easy it is. Mm-hmm. And um, I use waking hypnosis techniques whenever I have something of relevance or importance to say to the client that will benefit the client in in accepting uh, my belief system that everything is possible in a single session. Now, obviously, you always have to be careful how you word it. I cannot promise the client uh, that I can help him in one session, but I can word it as such that he understands that if he gives me permission to work with him, and if he is ready for that change, that everything is possible in a single session, and if they have that mindset, and that's all in the preparation, that's why I say the pre-talk is about 80% of your session, Mm. Um, and if they have that mindset and that belief, well, lo and behold, that's what happens very often. You can change them in one session. It's interesting because I'm reminded of something I said on in an interview uh, recently um, where I boldly claimed that I believe genuinely in every single therapeutic encounter, I know hypnosis is happening. Absolutely, with total certainty, but I'm not always sure which way it's going to happen in that when a client goes to see a therapist, either the hypnotist or the therapist is going to get them thinking that change is possible, that change is easy and that it's, it can happen, or the client is going to hypnotize the therapist into believing that they're screwed and they can't be helped. But well, I know, know hypnosis is happening. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I basically ignore what they tell me anyway. I, mm. um, you know, whenever they tell you, well, I really need to tell you why I have that problem, I'm like, okay, well, um, I don't really need, I'm not interested in what you think your problem is because if it were true, you probably wouldn't have that problem anyway. Yeah. So, uh, but if you really insist on telling me, I will go into the famous uh, Jerry Kind uh huh modus and just uh, every so once in a while um, say, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm, thank you, interesting. I've heard enough. How about if we get started now? Um, and I, the more you listen to them, the more uh, you tend to believe the bullshit they tell you. Mm-hmm. Clients will lie to you big time, but most of the time not being aware that they're lying. They're either repeating things others have told them why they have the problem or just because they think that is their problem and it's not. So it's not a conscious lying very often. It's just misinformation that could, that could possibly mislead you as a therapist uh, in the direction you take of the session or you start even believing the bullshit they're telling you mm-hmm. and then you think, oh my God, that's going to be difficult. Which, you know, if you don't have that belief, it just won't happen. But don't, don't forget, I mean, you know, these people who offer long-term therapy, that's not really truly their fault because they have been hypnotized by the books they have read, by the teachers and professors they've had and by the colleagues they've had. Um, it's, it's through no fault of their own. Um, that's what they believe because that's what they learned was the truth. Um, the only thing that I'm really appealing to these people is, please, listen up. Give hypnosis and hypnotherapy a chance. And I guess my opinion about the Ericksonian approach is fairly well known. I'm, uh, I'm very much 
on, 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 on the regression to cause, according to Jerry Kine and Dave Ellman. Um, but if your belief, if you're, if you're led to believe that it takes a long time and that it's dangerous and, you know, hypnosis is, it's difficult to learn and people just desist in learning it. Uh, if you're given a class on, on Ericksonian hypnosis on a weekend in, in med school, I mean, you're going to think, oh, my God, this crap cannot work. It's difficult. Why should I learn? It's much easier to give them an injection at, for they have no more pain. Whereas Elman said, if my induction takes longer, then giving the client an injection and wait until we can work in his mouth or in his knee or whatever, people are not, the doctors are not going to use hypnosis. So we have to be as fast as uh, an, uh, an anesthesia, an, uh, 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 an injection, or faster. So that's that's my approach. And and these people who are into long-term therapy, um, all they should do is listen to all the clients who have experienced the change. Don't believe, don't believe me. Don't take my word. But. Um, Go out and get properly trained in hypnosis and you will find out. Give it a chance. Tell me, because you must have just hundreds and hundreds of them. So, uh, you know, uh, I hope uh, a couple come immediately to mind. But it'd be great for you to uh, to share a couple of case studies. Uh, people that have come in, uh, they've had some uh, a, a big issue, something that's really tough that's going on. Um, and in the click of a finger, uh, one session, it's sorted. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> there are so many, um, you know, the, the fears and phobias and anxiety stuff, and that's usually one session. Um, I once had a lady, she had a fear of horses for over 50 years, mm. and she was in therapy, and she couldn't get near a horse. Actually, she was running away, hiding behind trees as soon as she saw a horse, and at a game, at a handball game in Switzerland, I asked her, well, you want to get rid of your problem? And she said, what, here? And I said, yeah, why not? And after seven minutes, I did a hypno quickie on her, which is absolutely morally um, nothing, um, what do you call it? Unethical. It's yep. just, I just call it hypno quickie. Uh, it, has, it has no uh, negative, con or what do you call it, sexual connotation. I, I did a hypno quickie on her. After seven minutes, she uh, walked out of there and didn't believe that change happened because it just was so fast. The next day, she encountered a horse while uh, walking her dog, and all she did was watch in awe how that horse passed by her. And this after 50 years of having a, had a huge phobia about horses. I mean, that's how fast change can happen. It doesn't matter how long somebody has had the phobia because it got started very quickly as well. Um, people always think it takes a long time for change to happen, but change can happen very quickly in a negative way. So if somebody develops a fear a phobia or something like that in, in, a, in a moment, in an instant that something happens, so why should it take a long time for it to go back to normal? Um, so that was just one case and I've had um, a lady who came to see me for Lyme disease. Lyme disease um, is not something 
um, that you want to have. And it was a very sad story. She actually, she passed it on to her unborn child. And that unborn child died. And it was not one session, it was two. And we got rid of all the symptoms that she had. Did we get rid of the Lyme disease in itself? No, but all the symptoms were gone. That was, that was all that mattered. So there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of guilt, there was a lot of anger for uh, having been infected by it and stuff. Mm. We got rid of all that. It was two sessions. And all symptoms from the Lyme disease were gone and stayed gone for years. I haven't heard back from her since. That means she is free of uh, the symptoms. Or a case with multiple sclerosis, um, a colleague of mine from, from work, from my former honest job that I had, um, she was, a, she was a, a young lady from Turkey, actually. Uh, she grew up in Turkey, Turkey and then moved to Switzerland. And she was extremely intelligent. She was, she had MS and she, I, she, I think she was 27 then when her, when she had her first severe, I don't know, I don't know what's the word. It's not called attack, but the first incident mm -hmm. of, um, of, uh, MS, of multiple sclerosis. And I went to see her in the hospital and I said, listen, I, I, I'm offering my help. I, I think I can help you. Um, and she was all open for it. And then she went to see her doctor and said, listen, uh, uh, do you think that hypnosis would help? And he said, no way. And then she canceled the meeting. Two years later, she has had enough. Um, she couldn't work anymore. She needed three hours of sleep during lunch uh, to just go through uh, the afternoon of the day. And uh, she had balance problems. She had uh, blurred vision. She had uh, many, many side effects uh, of, of the MS. And she just had enough. And I said, okay, I'm still here. If you want my help, I'm more than glad to help. And we had six sessions, six. Mm -hmm. And during those sessions, she had three ab reactions, which were really horrendous, horrendous. It had to do with part of her background, but it also had to do with uh, uh, stuff like uh, when she was a little child, she was in the garden and a snake came at her. And in the last minute, her brother ripped her away from that snake. And that was the actual ISC um, of being almost paralyzed um, in her being. I mean, that, that shock was still in her system. And then there was also heavy, heavy physical abuse by her father for having played with a boy when she was 12. So she was beaten severely for having played with a boy at age 12. And all that had to go out of the system. And all of a sudden, she didn't need that sleep anymore. Her balance, her equilibrium was back. She could see clearly. She could go back to work. And when she told her doctor about it, 
he said, nah, that's just a medication that's working. She knows, I know. Um, but what are successions for somebody with MS who has had uh, to suffer for two or three years prior to that? So, and, and there's so many cases, smaller and bigger, with migraine, um, with IBS, uh, where it just, you know, just took a single session to get rid of the problem. Well, others think it's so difficult, it takes so long, and it actually can happen in one session. Hans, well, when we first spoke, uh, you, I'm sure you told me a story, and it really made me giggle okay. about, <clears throat> about someone who, uh, I, I think there was, it was, I don't know, 90 minutes were scheduled, and uh, they were done much quicker than that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had a lady come in for a, uh, pho- with a phobia of fear of snakes. And snakes are is a highly protected species in Switzerland. And she had a uh, vacation house in the in the state of Ticino, that's uh, the Italian part of Switzerland. And there they still have snakes. And um, there was a snake in their garden. And she abandoned her kids and her husband and ran into the house, locked the doors. It didn't matter to her if her kids would have been eaten by the snake. It was just she was safe. That was the only thing. So in order for that not to happen anymore, she forced her husband to kill that snake, which I was sitting there I was like, oh, stupid you. How can you do that? But anyway, my job was to help her and um, save the snakes of Switzerland, I guess, um, from further damage done by her. And uh, I asked her, listen, there is a fast message. And a very fast method. Which one would you like? And she said, well, I take the very fast method. So I um, first took uh, my computer. I showed her a few pictures of really vicious looking snakes. And she couldn't bear the look of it. She was screaming and tears. And she was shivering. I'm like, okay, great, awesome. Because now you have proven to me that you have an incredible imagination. Let's use this imagination. And we did a hypno quickie on her too. And we got rid of that fear. And I think from the time she walked in to the time she walked back out was half an hour. And then she went to the zoo in Zurich and she went to see snakes there. Obviously, they were fenced off. All of a sudden, everything was gone. And then the next step was she went to a place where they sell snakes. And she was able to touch snakes and hold them, which really blew her mind. But about a week or two later, I get a phone call from this lady and she said, listen, um, you write on your homepage that it can take up to three hours for a a session with you. But it only took about half an hour. And do I get now part of my money back? And I said, well, with part. Well, if you insist on that, you will definitely get part of the phobia back, too. And that was the end of the conversation right there. But it was actually, for her, it was like cheating. She felt stupid for having had this fear, this phobia for so many years, and that it was so easy and fast to solve it. And she felt stupid and maybe even cheated. And I said, listen, it, it, you didn't pay me for the 30 minutes. You paid me for the knowledge and the experience that helped you heal faster. So 
that was the end of that conversation. And I certainly kept my money. I, it really tickles me. But there's something really interesting that it points towards as well, other than it just being just a, a truly f- great story uh, as well, uh, which is, yeah, I mean, someone's had a problem for a very long time. That there is perhaps this feeling that if they can get rid of it so quickly, then does that mean they've been stupid or silly or idiotic for however long because they, they, they've kept it? No, they're not. They're not at all. Not at all. Um, it, it is a matter of really telling the truth about hypnosis and how effective it can be. And of course, not all hypnotherapy is equal. I believe most certainly there are methods that work faster, that are more powerful, more effective, more goal-oriented and result-oriented. That's what I'm all about because I come from the automotive industry. And there you don't survive by selling long uh, season tickets, but you're measured by results and nothing but results. Um, and as such, I want to be seen by, by being measured by results I produce. And these people don't know, but some many people don't want you to know about hypnosis because it is too effective for some. Um, so there is no interest in, in letting people know how fast and effective hypnotherapy can be. Um, and then obviously you have the challenge of bad stage hypnotists and bad, I mean by doing bad shows, but to be quite honest, I'm, I'm much rather with much rather with a bad stage hypnotist than with a bad hypnotherapist. Because uh, you don't really lose your time and pay too much money, actually. Um, so, the, yeah, it, the system is, is just not supporting hypnotherapy or portraying hypnotherapy the way it should be portrayed. But that's part of why we do this research with uh, the Federal Institute of Technology and the University of Zurich here in Switzerland. That's why I've written books. That's why uh, we hold conventions. That's why we... Um, work on getting um, the information out there about hypnosis. Um, It's hard work. It's uphill work, and it probably will not come from top down. Um, That's why we have to work bottom up. We have to tell every day at least one person about how wonderful hypnosis can be. um, But if we keep it a secret to ourselves, no wonder nobody knows about it. Indeed. Indeed. T- tell me if there are people out there who would like to um, read uh, more and learn more about hypnosis and the sort of hypnosis that you do, what books could you recommend? Well, definitely the book by Dave Ellman. Uh, it's called Hypnotherapy mm-hmm. by Dave Ellman. Um, and there's a, a book called Hypnosis and Hypnotherapy by Jerry Kine and uh, Cal Banyan. Um, and uh, my books, the first one has been translated into English, but not published yet. And my second book, Self-Hypnosis, will also be, uh, is, is in the process of being translated. And I think we'll launch them together in the English-speaking markets. But those are, especially Hypnotherapy by Dave Elman is, 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 a, is, a, is a classic on it. Um, are there many other books out there? 
Yes, of course, but many of them are just written where sometimes not even the professionals understand it anymore. And I always say, if I have trouble understanding a book on hypnosis and techniques and methods, um, then the layperson who is just trying to find out about hypnosis, how do you ever expect them to think that hypnosis could be helping them? Um, is there an argument to say that that one of the reasons why uh, some people might make hypnosis more complicated uh, and almost seem harder to uh, learn is because they were maybe attracted to the world of hypnosis because they like the idea of having secret knowledge or being more powerful than someone else, you know, so that it, they can kind of, you know, if, if the books are harder to read, to grasp, it, it, it makes them feel more important, essentially. Sometimes I say they probably don't understand the crap they're writing themselves. <laughs> just want to, they just want to sound intelligent. And if they don't, and, and it's always a, a sign to me that they haven't understood themselves how hypnosis works. Otherwise, they wouldn't be writing it so complicated. Yeah. Uh, because hypnosis is simple. Hypnotherapy is simple. And if you haven't understood that as a hypnotherapist or as an instructor, you're definitely teaching the wrong methods or you have definitely the wrong belief system. And, you know, there is many people out there who just love to hear themselves talk how difficult their trait is um, because it makes them look like uh, they have mastered hypnosis or NLP or whatever um, methods they're out there. And um, to them... Those people teaching all those methods that sound more elaborate and sophisticated and complicated, um, a short training that maybe takes seven or eight days is a threat to them themselves um, because their business case doesn't work. Their business model stops working if everybody finds out that hypnotherapy is actually easy to learn. Oh, I have, I have a great example for you. I have I had a, a, a psychology uh, or a psychologist in in my class, and he took my he took our seven day training, and after that he he called me and said, "Listen, do you think I could work for you?" And I said, "Yeah, we have an opening at our hypnosis center. Why not? Except with one condition: I'm prohibiting you from doing psychology at our hypnosis center because it's called." Hypnosis Center and not Psychology Center. And he agreed to that. And um, so he, he started working, and uh, successfully so. And about after two years, he received an offer from a clinic, um, which he needed also to do in order to become a psychotherapist, whatever the differences are. So he told me that he would be leaving, and I said, okay, I always um, expected that to happen. Um that you're going to leave. And um, he left to that clinic, and the owner of the clinic was also a hypnotist. And he always came with the opinion, oh, no, it's easy. It's easy. Yeah, you could solve that or that issue with hypnosis or do whatever. And she said, no, 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 no. Hypnosis is difficult. And um, you haven't had any proper training. You only have had training for seven days. I went to school for two years to learn hypnotherapy. 
And well, he let it stand like that, and then later on, she made the remark that you could that hypnosis can be dangerous because you can get stuck in it. Mm. And he goes, "No, you cannot get stuck in hypnosis." And she said, "Yes, you can." And he said, "No." And she said, "You're fired." That was it, and that's when he called and asked to be uh, reinstalled at my center. I, I ruined his psychology career. I guess. Yes. Well, I don't think you can get st uh, stuck in hypnosis, but I think you can get stuck in your belief that you can get stuck in hypnosis. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, which arguably might be more dangerous. Well, she, she had a doctor title. He didn't. She had two years of training how not to do it, I guess. He doesn't have a doctor title and had seven days of how to do it and how to do it quick, and that just didn't fit her belief system. I had another student of mine. She was uh, in a clinic... Uh, in Switzerland, and the first thing they always had to do with a client was five get-to-know-your-client sessions. Five get-to-know-your-client sessions. After my training, she refused to do that. She was fired, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're changing the world one, one Absolutely. At, at a time, I think. Absolutely. Getting getting people fired one job at a time. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I love it. What an ama amazing legacy. It's, uh, it's great. Um, Hans, if, if people are listening in and they, uh, they like the sound of this and they're fascinated by um, just and what, what comes through is just this total and utter uh, belief and congruence about the fact that change really can happen and so quickly. And it's just uh, fabulous uh to hear um how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more um we have several uh home pages um if you're in the english-speaking world which probably most people are uh, listening to this uh podcast you will find me on omnihypnosis.com um you will find uh our entire organization our uh instructors and everything on omnihypnosis.net um, if you're looking for an omni-trained hypnotherapist, you will find them on the omnifinder.net. And for those uh, speaking German, you will find me on hypnose.net, which is the, the German word for hypnosis, which is like hip and nose. So hypnose.net. Uh, mm -hmm. These are pages uh, they will find me or uh, my colleagues. Fantastic. And when we first spoke about you, um, you coming on, uh, the Rapid Change Matters podcast. Is there anything that you thought would come up um, that would be good to share with people, but that just I haven't asked directly? Yeah. Well, I mean, see, if if that what I'm teaching would be difficult, I probably would have never learned it. I'm not the person known for being patient and in it, you know, like studying for weeks and months and years to learn something. If it were complicated and if it were difficult, I would never have gone after it. Um, I'm all kiss, keep it simple and stupid. And that's what our training is about. If it were difficult, um, I wouldn't be practicing it. So if you take the training with me or with anybody else, insist that uh, regression to cause is part of um, your training. But even then, um, your, your instructor should understand the true concept behind it. Um, and but but do get trained in hypnotherapy. It is a wonderful tool. It's a wonderful profession. And um, I think once you look into the eyes of especially children, 
one and once you have changed their world with one or two sessions i think a child's laughter and a child's smile and eyes is one of the most gratifying things to receive as a therapist because you know you have changed that life for the better and you haven't changed the 60 year old chain smoker you know um you have you have really truly changed that child's life if it's being if it's a stuttering if it's stuttering if it's bedwetting if it's afraid if it has bad grades um kids are awesome to work with and um they're also so honest and, and unpretentious and they don't have all those disbeliefs or wrong opinions about hypnosis so i guess that's one of the most gratifying things if you if you can see how you've changed a child's life that's uh it's lovely um, and yeah, look, I hope people uh, have enjoyed listening to this uh, as much as I've enjoyed uh, talking to you uh, and hearing uh, some of the passion that comes through uh, on, on these topics. Um, again, just to remind everyone, all the, the, the recommendations, some of the references that Hans Rudy has uh, gone through will be placed underneath his episode on the Rapid Change Works website. Uh, there, if you want to leave some comments underneath this episode, feel free to do so. Uh, and I'm sure if there are any great questions or comments, uh, I'll be able to persuade Hans to uh, have a look and uh, get involved in the conversation to follow up with. Um, so thank you so much for spending uh, some time with us today. Well... Um, thank you for having me, and um, I, I guess my conviction comes through when I talk about hypnosis, so does my passion, and um, Jerry Kine always had one favorite word, and that was tenacity, um, and tenacity is, is what also defines you, you don't, just don't give up um, after a failure, actually failures make you a better hypnotherapist learn you learn much more from the sessions that fail than from those sessions that work because if you have just a little bit of ego and pride you will go home kick the cat and wonder why the session didn't work and then you start thinking and that really makes you a better hypnotherapist it's not the sessions that went well that make you a better hypnotist it's the sessions that didn't work and make you think what you could have done different so insisting on uh, becoming better being and, and, and having tenacity um, is one of the biggest traits, I think, that will make you into a great hypnotist. Wonderful. So uh, thanks very, very much for having me here. Uh, great pleasure. I know I've pissed off some people, and I'm sure glad I did. Um, and uh, if somebody felt offended, that's their own problem. Get help, but not from me. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, why not share it with anyone you think might be interested, and even head over to iTunes to give us a glowing review. You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapidchangematters hyphen podcast, and of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those upcoming live events that will help you hone those change work skills.